episode 45 dynamic wit comedy podcast thank you guys for listening uh 45th episode hope you guys enjoy it the last segment of this episode we are going to talk about all of the comedy that's going to be happening over the next several weeks between here and january 20th the details are set in stone and uh We'll go over all of that as well as some opportunities for anyone looking to get involved. So, hope you enjoy the 45th episode. Welcome to the Dynamic Wit Comedy Show. Welcome in. Here we go. Dynamic Wit Comedy Podcast, episode 45 unbelievable it's gone really fast in fact faster than normal because a lot of podcasts are one once a week which is kind of what we've turned into but remember for like the first 30 episodes i was doing almost three a week and they were really short 10 minutes or less a lot of them like three minutes or less and now we've kind of gotten into this rhythm of okay instead of three small episodes a week let's do one episode a week with three segments so it's still kind of the same amount of work but giving you guys kind of a longer, I don't know what you want to call it, a longer enjoyment, I would hope. And if this podcast is not enjoyment to you, well, that's on you because you're still listening. So uh, let's talk about a few things. First off, here's a question, okay? Whatever, whatever line of work you're in, here's a question that you're forced to answer on some level at some point. What is your job? What is your responsibility? Not what is your job title, but when it comes down to a tough decision, what is your responsibility to do to, to be successful at your job? Whether you're in sales, whether you're in warehousing, or a delivery guy, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. At some point, Whatever line of work you're in, you're faced with a tough decision and you've got to decide what is your job. It is no different for entertainers. Singers have an obligation to go out and perform, sometimes even if they're not feeling good. Comedians, same thing. And anytime you're performing in front of a live audience, you're going to encounter some audiences that frankly suck. Now, again, I've said this before, it's not up to an audience or it's not up to a performer to reflect the audience's energy. It's the responsibility of the performer to make sure the audience is feeding off of the energy of the performance being given, whether you're singing or an actor or, or a comedian. So what happens as a comedian when you're placed in a position where you're performing in front of a crowd that you know isn't going to go well. That's a question I had to answer for myself on Saturday night. I went to the comedy. I, technically, it's an open mic. But I went feeling good. I was going to do a run-through of, of, of some of the new stuff I had and, and as well as freshen up some of the older stuff I've been working on because we have a show coming up in January, which I'll talk about in the last segment. But I'm just trying to, to, to stay loose. 
You know, comedy is one of those things where if you don't do it for a little bit, by the time you do start going again, you're rusty. And I've got some opportunities coming up that I can't afford to be rusty, so I need to go keep it loose, keep things tight. And I know, just contradicted myself. Keep the jokes tight um, and keep myself kind of loose and, and be able to be in the moment. So I show up at this open mic and talk to the, the dude who's running. His name's Justin. And I said, hey, you know, typically open micers, you get five minutes. I asked if I could do like 15 minutes just to work on some stuff. Luckily, only three people had signed up for the open mic, so it wasn't a problem. And Justin went up. He kind of introduced everyone. He did his thing. Then he brought this lady up, and it was clearly her first time. And she even admitted that she was at an open mic, and she saw these old ladies go up and do comedy and make everyone laugh. And so she thought she could do it. Well, which is fine. Again, I love anyone who has the, the balls, the cojones, or in this case, the ovaries, to stand up and try and tell jokes in front of a crowd. My issue with it is the people she was sitting with. She was sitting with two other ladies, a dude, and they brought like their seven-year-old kid who was just playing on his phone most of the time, which is fine. I get, you know, but it's, it's the, the hard part is, is while she's up there telling her story, which she did fine. It was a funny story. Uh, she tried to go the way of shock value, which basically means the funny was, the story was funny enough. And she tried to throw a few F words in there for the sake of throwing the F words. And that turns off the crowd a little bit. I don't care what crowd you're part of. But even her friend at the table, one of the ones who was filming her, she had three people filming. One of the ones who was filming her kept trying to like add things into her joke and would say things to her while she's trying to tell her story. Now, whether you realize it or not, as the friend who's sat that stuff out, that's heckling. This girl who's telling the story has an idea in her mind of how the story is going to be told. And it's probably already not going the way she thought it was going to be told because I'll be honest, anytime you're up there, it's not going to go how you think it sounds in your head. But what's worse is when someone's trying to contribute. And what's even more insulting is that than that is it's one of your friends. And if I'm watching this first timer who's nervous and she's doing something out of her comfort zone and her best friends who she trusts are going to be there loudly heckling her and interrupting her story. What the hell are they going to do to a stranger who they don't care about? They were clearly intoxicated. I hope they got home safe. Actually, I hope the little boy got home safe. I don't really care about the rest of them and I'll get into why. But as I'm watching this, I know that these, this table in this room, it's a small room. There's maybe maximum 30 people in this room. So a table of five people, a fifth of everyone who's in there, that's a loud enough table to distract everyone in the room, especially because they were like right up front. So what's my responsibility as a comedian? Because if I choose to go up there, I can't back out halfway through. I have to go up there committed. The other option I have is to say, nope, I'm out of here and leave. I'm too stubborn to do that. Because in my head, I'm thinking I can turn this around. And the truth is, sometimes you just can't. So that lady sits down. Justin goes up as the host and does more of his shtick. Now, 
I don't know if Justin's listening to this or not. Justin's doing fine. He's got a lot of good, funny premises and stories. But if you're hosting an event, it is not your job to take five minutes between each performer. Your job is to take as long as you want at the beginning of the show. Five, 10, 15 minutes. Do your thing. After that, you're a tour guide. It's your job to keep the audience you know, engaged, but also keep the show going. They've already heard from you when you had your time. So if you get up and you're doing five, six, seven minutes in between each performer, that can actually harm a show, even if you do really well. If you do really well, it's not fair to the person you're bringing up. If you don't do well, it's not fair to the person you're bringing up. Keep the show going as the host. That's your job as the host. But I got up there and I thought, okay, in order to get this crowd paying attention, I have to go with my best. So I went with my best opening line, bombed. Went with into my second joke, which is typically pretty reliable. Started by asking the audience a question. That got me engaged with some people in the audience, and I shouldn't have because all of a sudden, sure enough, that table starts side-talking and talking up loud. And so I get it kind of under control, get the attention back on me, go into what I think, okay, I, I skip like half my second. Okay, they need the big guns. I'm going right for it. And as I go into it, I keep getting interrupted. I know it's not going to go well. And now we ask the question a second time, what's my responsibility here? Say, F it, good night, sit down, leave. No, you're in this. Once you have, once you decide to go up and take that mic, the worst thing you could do is bitch out, which I eventually did, but I'll get to that. At that point, to hell with everything you wrote. At this point, it's a street fight. Now, if you watch a boxing match, there's strategy, they're, they're both, there's footwork, there's jabs, there's combination punches, there's a beauty to it. But a street fight, everything goes, there's no rules, it's survival. Bill Burr had an experience in 2006 that's widely public. If you're a fan of stand-up comedy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the Bill Burr. Philadelphia rant. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you YouTube it and listen to it. It's not appropriate, but essentially, uh, essentially what happens is Bill Burr is on what's called the opening ante tour, a bunch of comedians, and it's in this outdoor place and it's like a three and a half hour show. And by the time Bill Burr gets up there, the audience, the crowd is like booing everyone. And Bill Burr snaps and just goes, leans right into the crowd and attacks them. And typically, when something like that happens, one of two things happens. It launches a person or it destroys them. And he stood right up in front of that crowd and he did his whole shit set. He finally said to hell with his jokes. He's just going to attack Philly for what he knows and make fun of them. And it was, it's hilarious to listen to. Very much inappropriate. So not even remotely the same thing on a much, much, much smaller scale. I'm in this position where no one in this room is paying attention at this point. And so I finally said, all right, I'm not doing anything else. I wrote, I'm just going to start doing crowd work. And so I did. Asked the lady, what does she do? She said, she's a realtor. And I said, oh, so you're unemployed. That got a laugh. And went on like that for a few minutes. Regardless, when I got off the stage, I was pissed. 
had to had to had to leave had something i needed to do right after but i was driving home and i was mad and then i thought why did i get off the stage so quick i should have just gone right up to that table and gone toe to toe with them it might not have gone well with me but at least i wouldn't have backed down because who was i backing down from an old guy who looked like an unsuccessful Hugh Hefner with three failed Playboy bunnies. That's who I backed down from. Their kid who was with them sat behind them, played on his phone, and the only time they acknowledged him is when they told him to turn his phone down. His phone wasn't nearly as loud and distracting as that big fat mouth from the other skink. As you can tell, I'm still a little upset about it. <laughs> the point is, if you're going to go up in front of a bad crowd, it's still your responsibility to stand there and take the heat and, and deal with it the best you can. Otherwise, don't get up. The smartest thing I probably could have done was say, mm, not tonight. But it's also in those moments you grow and those really bad, shitty moments on the stage make the really good moments seem even sweeter. So... I don't even know if there was a point to telling you all this story other than... Sometimes you figure out what your job is, and sometimes your job is to pick up the shit. That table sucked. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, they deserve the STDs they have. Okay, that's enough for me. For this segment, anyway. We still have two more. Hang in there. All right, segment two, the one with the music, usually ranting about sports. Look, sports is fine. 49ers won, Utes won, Jazz probably lost, I don't know, uh, BYU lost, um, and that's that's about it. I don't really have a lot to update on sports, although I will say it was a happy Thanksgiving when the 49ers beat the Seahawks, because here's the thing. When the 49ers win, it's great. When the 49ers win and the Seahawks lose, it's even better. When the 49ers beat the Seahawks, that's like the best thing. The only thing that the Niners beating the Seahawks is the Niners beating the Cowboys. And the only thing that's better than that is the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. But hey, the Steelers fired Matt Canada and then they had 400 yards and ended up winning a division game against the Bengals. So sports, things are looking up. I don't have too much to say about that. But there is something I wanted to rant about a little bit. And it's something that people from the Dallas Cowboys fans and organization can uh, relate to. Steve Young said the reason the Cowboys struggle is because once people put a Dallas Cowboys uniform on and they get the star on the helmet, they think they're just destined for greatness and they forget to put on the work. That's not the case. You know why the Cowboys haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1995 or 6, whatever, a long time ago, since I was in third grade? It's because they have an entitled owner and it leaks all the way down through the 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 what is it called? The scout team. Everyone in that organization is entitled. One of the beefs I have with a former producer of comedy shows here in, in the St. George area is they felt it was more important to bring someone in who was a quote unquote LA comic than it was to give the local guys a shot. Here's the thing. Just cause you live in LA doesn't mean you're a great comedian. Just because you have a driver's license doesn't mean you're a great driver. You can live in L.A. 
and still be a horrendous comedian the same way you can have a driver's license and still drive as the same stereotypical Asian old woman. I'm not saying all Asian and all women are bad drivers, but you get the stereotype I'm trying to make. Just because it says it on paper doesn't really mean anything unless you can actually do it. Sure, comedians who live in LA have more access to stage time to figure it out and, 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 and do better things. But I've had a free gym membership. My muscles don't grow because I, if I don't do the right exercises, it doesn't work. Why do I bring this up? Well, we'll talk about that in the next segment where I talk about dynamic wit and kind of what our mission has been so far in, in, in producing our shows under the dynamic wit name uh, for the locals, for, for stand-up comedy. Anyways, that's just a rant. I don't know if it means anything to you. Don't be entitled. And don't get swept up under someone else's title. Let's quote Braveheart. It's a great movie with bad acting, but it has a good quote. Men don't file titles, they follow leadership, or they follow courage. L.A. comedian means nothing. Because you know why? The great comedians who live in L.A. and New York were already great comedians before they lived in L.A. and New York. All right, rant over, let's go to the last segment. All right. So in the intro to this episode, I said I would talk about, on the last segment, some comedy things that are happening uh, and coming up here locally in the southern Utah area. And that's exactly what this segment's going to be about. But let's talk about dynamic wit. Because I don't think most of the listeners have been listening to this podcast since episode one. So let me just refresh your memory as to what dynamic wit is. So... Dynamic Wit is the brand my wife and I have started in producing comedy shows. And when we decided that this was going to be a venture we took on together, we wanted to make sure we were different from anything else kind of happening in the area. Because comedy things are happening in St. George that have nothing to do with me, and that's great. Anything that's helping comedy grow, I support. Even if I don't support necessarily the people behind the scenes of that or how they're doing it, a rising tide is going to lift all the boats. So yeah, I want there to be success, but we wanted to make sure we were going to do things a little bit differently. Number one, which is kind of why I was ranting about LA comics in the previous segment is we wanted to make sure that if we're going to produce local shows, we want to use local talent. If you want local support, use local Tools, tools being comedians in this case. Because look, I have no problem with wanting to bring, you know, people from around to introduce St. George to, to comedians. But the problem is Southern Utah is still young enough in the comedy game that we're still introducing St. George to stand-up comedy. And part of growing that scene is using the great talent that's already here. So we wanted to make sure, you know, we're going to do, we decided we'll do two shows a year, one big show in January, one big show in July, and maybe some smaller other ones in between. But those two shows, we, we stick to a couple things. Most important, using local talent. Now, the ones that we do in January, everyone from and the, those January shows, they are from Utah. And if not St. George, they at least have ties here to St. George. The first show we did 
in January of 23, earlier this year, January 7th. It was myself, Shane Williams, Cole Williams, who they've been with me since the beginning running open mics here in St. George in 2017 and 18. It was Connor Heward and Eva Fry, all of which live here, all of which started with open mics here. Um, Shane and I started in other places, but we've grown here. It was a 100% local show, and it sold out. And the Electric Theater holds 308 seats. There was no seats available. Any more people in that building would have been a fire code violation. The second thing we wanted to focus on, which is also a reason the show sold out, is we're not doing it to profit our own pockets. That first show we did in January was a fundraiser. But even so, the tickets were very affordable. We didn't sell a ticket to that first show for more than $5. $5, every ticket, that was it. Why? Because it's more important to us to have butts in the seats than it is to be making money in our pocket. And yes, I pay the performers, but essentially how that worked is 90% of ticket sales was donated to the charity cause, which in that case was raising money for someone who needed a liver transplant. And then I paid the comedians with the other 10% that was left over after we donated that. Also throughout that show, we had uh, auctions that people could donate and people could buy tickets. And all in all, we raised close to $1,500 for this person at selling just $5 tickets. So you can understand we wanted to be different because we want to be affordable. In July, we brought in Rodney Norman, who, though is not from Utah and lives on the East Coast, he was born and raised in Utah, understands the local sense of humor, understands enough about St. George, Utah, that he was perfect. We sold that show out as well. That show, we sold the first 100 tickets, or first 50 tickets, for $5 a piece. And after that, they were $10 a piece until the day of the show, they were $15. Why do I bring all of this up? Because now, Dynamic Wit, with my wife and I, we have our third show scheduled for January 13th. And again, we're using all Utah talent. The performing list is as follows. I'm going to be headlining the show, doing about 30 minutes, about half new material, half material that you might have heard me say before. But even so, even if you've heard me say it, I need to learn how to do these jokes in a way that I feel like I'm telling them for the first time. And maybe you'll hear it differently. Either way, I promise to give you a good show. The other performers on this show, we have Bay Carter, who's going to be a musical guest and host. Bay is the winner of the Dixie's Got Talent Festival uh, competition here. He's auditioned for uh, America's Got Talent and got through the stages there. Very good performer. I was looking for a fifth comedian. And then as I was talking to Bay, I asked him, I was like, do you know any funny songs? And then we had this idea. And all I need him to do is go on first, entertain the crowd, get them used to looking on the stage, get everyone loose. And he's perfect for that. At which point he will be the host. He will be bringing up Cole Williams, who is a name from the first show we did a year ago in January, one of the St. George originals. Uh, Jody Wright. Jody's a local businessman, but also he's been involved in stand-up comedy, and he was huge 
and helping stand-up comedy grow here over the last year and a half because he opened up his place of business to host two or three open mics a week throughout the year 2022. Uh, and also, we're going to have coming into St. George, Ashley Singleton, who is from Salt Lake originally, but has performed anywhere from L.A., Salt Lake, Chicago, and anywhere in between because she is a workhorse, and I absolutely trust her and love that she's finally coming out to do a show. We've tried to do this before, but um, it hasn't worked out. So we're we're happy to get her down. Again, everyone that I just listed is a native to Utah. We're using the local talent to get local support, get local people interested in stand-up comedy. And before that show happens, we are going to host an open mic. That's to be determined. Now, other comedy opportunities that are happening over the next few weeks. December 14th, out at the Kayanta Center for the Arts, they're having a, a, a talent show of which there's going to be a couple of comedians on that show. I am on that show. I will be performing there December 14th. My time slot's at 7 p.m. I will be doing a four-minute set. If I am lucky enough to advance to the next stages, I will be performing out there again on December 20th. Then our show with Dynamic Wit is January 13th. And after that, we have uh, the Comedy Church crew coming through. Comedy Church is run by uh, a guy that I met uh, doing open mics first off uh, in Salt Lake years ago. His name is Greg Kite. Now, Greg Kite is hilarious. But he's also grew up, I think he said, as an evangelical pastor. And he went to BYU with the purpose that he would be converting Mormons away uh, out of Mormonism. And in that process, kind of converted himself out of religion altogether and became an atheist. But he's also a brilliant stand-up comedian. So him and Adam Browd go around doing a show called Comedy Church. Now, they've performed all over the country, even at the, the – um, not the Comedy Cellar. What's the other? Caroline's in New York City. Very famous comedy club. And they have comedians come in and, and joke about their experience with religion, whether they're anti-religious or still religious. The whole point is to have a funny, fun conversation with it. So I'll be doing about eight minutes on that show. Then they'll do about a 10-minute interview with me. There's another comedian on that show as well. But that's on January 20th, also at the Electric Theater. Look, comedy is a growing thing here. You got Ed Tracy putting on shows with LOL with Ed Tracy. You've got Val Durow doing things with Electric Comedy. You have us doing stuff with Dynamic Wit. You've got open mics happening throughout the city. Um, it's a growing thing. And like I said, a rising tide raises all the boats. And so I hope they all do well. But yes, I want Dynamic Wit to be the best one because one, we want to be affordable. Two, we want to use local talent and continue to grow it here. Um, and three, we want the audience to have fun. Whether you're laughing or not, all we want is the audience to have fun. Perception is reality. Well, how you perceive us. So far, we've had a lot of success in the first two shows. Third time being a charm. That means I'm hoping this third show coming up January 13th under the dynamic wit name will be the best one we've had yet. So anyways, we did it. Thanks for listening to episode 45. 
we're getting closer to that number 50. What I want to do is in between now and January 13th, I have episodes with all of the uh, performers on January 13th with, with Bay, with Cole, with Jody, with Ashley. And that way you guys kind of get a feel for them as you uh, approach. By the way, I didn't go over this. Ticket prices. We want to make sure they're affordable. We're going to make you keep them affordable. Ticket prices for our January 13th show. They go on sale this Friday, December 1st. I'll have a link up on social medias uh, through dynamicwit.com. Uh, um, ticket prices. The first 100 tickets. Last time we did the first 50, but the first 100 tickets, $5 a piece. You're not going to find good entertainment or really any entertainment for $5 a piece. We're going to do it for $5 a piece, the first 100. The next 100 tickets will be sold at $10 a piece. After that, uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll do some group packaging sales and stuff like that. But basically, anything through the first 100 tickets sold, $5 a piece. The next 100 tickets, $10 a piece. We'll do some group sales for the 300 after that. But uh, basically, anywhere from 5 to $10 until it's the day of the show, then we might charge you $15 regardless it's going to be affordable. It's going to be fun. And mostly, this is important for you to know, it's going to sell out. There's already been a lot of interest in this show. It will sell out. Piss me off enough, I'll make the show free. <laughs> okay, I won't. All right. That's all for this last segment. Hope you guys enjoy it. Episode 45 in the books, or excuse me, is this 45 or 44? I honestly don't remember. What did I, I think this, this is episode 45. I'm losing my damn mind. Okay, I'm going to stop recording before I say anything regrettable, which I probably already did. Already insulted old Asian women driving, so there's that. All right, uh, episode 46 next week. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday or whenever the hell you chose to listen to this. <laughs>